want you to think about this. What do a couple of large islands, some sheep, white sand beaches, dragons, and fairies have to do with riding? Well, stay with us as we explore your next destination for motorcycle adventure. My name's Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. we got a good one for you. Green Chili Adventure Gear makes American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems that will turn any dry bag into motorcycle luggage, any bag you have into motorcycle luggage. GreenChiliADV.com. Best Rest Products is where the number one tire pump in the business for us motorcyclists comes from. It's called the Cycle Pump, made in the USA, has lifetime warranty. They also distribute the Google Tech filters for North America. The website, CyclePump.com. Max BMW Motorcycles has been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts online. Shipping to your door from maxbmw.com. You also can sign up for their e-rider newsletter, a free newsletter, maxbmw.com. Hi, I'm Sam Manning. I'm Phil. Ted Simon. Claiming Coach Stratton. Sterling Brad Johnson. Thank you. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. The kiwi fruit, you know, that brownish egg-sized furry fruit with the luscious green center, you know it, goes great in smoothies and in desserts. It's most often associated with New Zealand, so much so that New Zealanders are referred to as kiwis. The ones that I've met have happily called themselves kiwis as well, which is kind of an odd reference since the kiwi fruit is a native of China not New Zealand. Actually, New Zealanders only began growing kiwi fruit commercially, I think in the early 1900s, but it was during the Second World War when the Americans and Brits were stationed there that they fell in love with the kiwi fruit and it sort of gained some international recognition. And then in the 60s, they renamed it because it was originally called Chinese gooseberries. Well, you can figure that's why they changed the name to kiwi fruit, which sounds so much nicer and the rest is history. And by the way, in New Zealand, a kiwi is the name of a bird. It's this flightless bird the size of a chicken. Yeah, I don't get the association either. I don't know. Maybe it's the chicken and the egg thing. But anyway, if you're not into kiwi fruit, perhaps it's the wool that comes from New Zealand that you know about, in particular, merino wool. Because merino wool is some of the best wool there is for outdoor activities. It has great warmth, durability, And for those that hate the smell of synthetic clothing after it's been worn for a while, you know, you wash it and you can't get the smell out. Well, merino wool doesn't seem to ever get stinky. Even when it's wrapped around a body that's well beyond the ripe stage, it still seems to smell good. And don't forget, Adventure Rider Radio's official sock, which is Pearly's Possum Socks, are made using some of that merino wool in their mix. And of course, we all know, at least the ones that have got Pearly's socks so far, how good Pearly's socks are. Or maybe it's the meat that comes from New Zealand that you know about. And and of course, there's Burt Monroe featured in, in the movie called The World's Fastest Indian. There's legendary motorcycle designer John Britton, also from New Zealand. Hey, I could go on here. We're, we're talking about a country with under 5 million people in it. Under 5 million. This is small. And and by, by the way, there's six sheep for every person. I believe that comes from their government website. So that's, that's fairly official. Six sheep for every person. That's like 30 million sheep. But don't let all those sheep mislead you about New Zealand because they only have one indigenous mammal and that's a bat. All the other mammals that are there now were imported by the Maoris, their their indigenous culture, or by the Europeans that live there. They still have no snakes, no bears. So if they freak you out, that makes camping easier there. 
So as you're probably getting, this place stands out for a number of reasons. Now, we haven't even got into the incredible scenery, the, the Maori indigenous culture, which is a big part of New Zealand, and for motorcyclists, incredible riding. But we will. Okay, um, hi, I'm uh, Kimberly Johnston. I am calling from New Zealand and I am the Client Services Manager of South Pacific Motorcycle Tours. Kim, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you very much. South Pacific Motorcycle Tours. Now, if, if I was to come to you and say to you, look, I'm looking at maybe coming to New Zealand, maybe coming to Australia, how would you sell me on New Zealand? Uh, first of all, I'd say great choice. <laughs> it's about as far away as you can get from anywhere. Yeah, well, hang on. That sounds like a waiter. <laughs> that sounds like a waiter. When I'm, <laughs> No matter what you order at a restaurant, you're going to hear, oh, that's a wonderful choice. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Well, uh, to be honest, it's probably the best place that you can be at the moment. We're as far away from anyone. Um, so I think we've probably got the best riding roads as well. So And scenery, we've pretty much tick all the boxes, to be honest. We've got mountains, lakes, rivers. Glaciers, fjords, the odd hobbit, I suppose, and dragon. <laughs> wow, dragons. That's got to pull a lot. <laughs> so most Lord of the Rings fans will know that the uh, all movies were shot in New Zealand. So, Oh, right. Yeah. Well, how did you guys get into doing motorcycle tours? Um, well, we, we've done it for a while, actually. All of our family, um, the company is run by my family. Uh, so it's Carol and Mike are our owners. Uh, Carol is my mother and Mike is my wonderful stepfather. And um, we got into it because we're all we're all bikers, have been for a very long time. My uncle has owned Bruff Superiors um, for a very long while as well. He's, he's back in England. And we've just had bikes in our family for a long time. When my, um, when my parents got together, they were both bikers um, and we moved over from England had a couple of had a couple of uh, Harleys over here and started started touring them around in Christchurch Central um, and then just got just got more and more bikes on the fleet and then decided to put together some GPS tours for people because we knew about the island already and knew the specific places to go and the routes to take and the roads to travel um, so it just grew from there to be honest we started in 2003 with um, with South Pacific and, um, yeah, it's just grown from there. We've now got a fleet of uh, over 30 motorbikes and, uh, yeah, very, <laughs> very happy. There's, there's a lot of worse jobs to have in the world. <laughs> yes, there's 30 bikes. That's a, that's a lot of bikes. What kind of bikes do you have? It is. Um, yeah, no, uh, we take very good care of the ladies. Uh, we have, um, goodness, uh, BMWs, a couple of Harleys on the fleet. Uh, we've got Triumphs, some Bonnevilles, uh, Triumph Bonnevilles. Uh, we've got a Goldwing. I think we're the only company in New Zealand that has a Goldwing for rent. And uh, we've actually we've got a Royal Enfield, uh, Suzuki Gladius, uh, quite a few. We've just got our hands on some new um, – the boys have been bike shopping, which is always fun. Uh, got our hands on the new uh, 750 GSs and the 1250 GSs and uh, 1250 RTs. So Christmas has come early for us. So um, that'll be that'll they'll be available for the new season. Um, but yeah, all of the all of our bikes have names as well. It's something that we we pride ourselves on. So it just gives us people a little bit more um, you know pride in the bike that they're taking out because they have all have names and they have to take care of that specific lady. Um, and they're all they're all on the bikes as well. So you can you can definitely tell tell who's got which bike. It's quite fun. Tell me a little bit more about New Zealand as, as far as um, the diversity of the terrain. 
Um, well, we're quite different. We're New Zealand's got two islands. We've got the North Island and the South Island. Um, we South Pacific is based on the South Island in Christchurch, so we base out of here. Um, the difference between the two, there, there's quite a quite a lot of difference. To be honest, um, the South Island I would suggest is probably the best one for riding. We mainly because we have the Southern Alps that uh, run through the middle of the South Island. Um, meaning we've got the spectacular scenery, we've got the best twisty riding roads, um, all very well maintained as well. Um, and we've probably it's probably more mountainous down here and more alpine, whereas the North Island is kind of rolling rolling hills. Um, there's a lot more culture up in the North Island as well, more people, <laughs> which means more traffic. Um, another reason the South is really good just because we have less traffic, less people down here, and it makes for much more pleasant riding. Why more culture in the North Island? Um, so a lot of the culture is because um, we have a Maori, a Maori uh, culture here, uh, which is sort of our indigenous um, people. So um, uh, a lot of the Maori culture is based, you can go and see it in uh, Rotorua, which is fantastic. So we have um, geysers and there's mud pools and uh, it's very geothermal up in the North Island. So a lot of the Māori, um, Māori were based in the North Island and um, there's just so much more to see up there. Uh, you can go along to cultural shows um, and actually take part in uh, a hangi, which is um, the uh, cooking of food uh, in a, a hot, like sort of like a, a hot oven, uh, which is based underground. So you can take part in all of that. So it's kind of it's, it's cool. It's interesting. And how are you getting from one island to the other? Um, we're separated by the Cook Strait, which um, is a body of water between the two islands. So if you were to uh, hop on up to the North Island uh, from the south, you would leave from Picton, uh, which is one of our ports, and take the either the Cook Strait ferry over, the inter-islander, over to the island, and you'd end up in Wellington, which is our capital city. How long of a ferry ride? Uh, I think it's about four hours, actually. Uh, oh, so through, this is pretty far. It is. It is. If you're going on a ferry, it is quite far. Um, it's it's a stunning ferry ride, though. To be honest, you you travel through the Queen Charlotte Sound uh, and the and the Marlborough Sounds. So to get out of the South Island, you have to go through all of these little teeny tiny islands that are covered in covered in forest. Uh, it's wonderful. It's nice uh, on a good day. <laughs> on a bad day, not so much. <laughs> so, is, and is this an expensive ferry, or is that included with the the highway? Yeah, uh, no, it is. It is fairly expensive. So, for example, if you were to take a your motorcycle and rider over, just one motor, motorcycle and rider, it'd be about one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, I'm not sure what that is in U.S. dollars or Canadian dollars. Um, that works out to about a hundred dollars in U.S. funds, or about one hundred and thirty in Canadian funds. But yeah, it will be. It's, it's it's it is fairly expensive to get over there. But I suppose it's a trip in itself. Um, and it will take you, you know, you're in for a whole new, whole new world once you go from one island to the other. So it's quite special. Is Christchurch sort of the the epic center for tourism there? Uh, in the South Island, yes. Uh, in the North Island, we have um, uh, in the North Island is probably Auckland and Wellington are the main main hubs. But yes, in the South Island, Christchurch is the main uh, main place you would come to. Say if uh, tourists were flying into the South Island, they would fly into Christchurch International Airport. So you'd land here. And uh, the other main places would probably be the second largest city is Dunedin, and then uh, it would be probably Queenstown down in the South Island, which is known for its um, adventure adventure tourism. So you've got your bungee jumping and and all the all the crazy extreme sports that people like doing down there. 
And the difference in, in climate from north the North Island to the South Island is what? Um, it's it's probably it depends on the time of year to be honest. Uh, for example, at the moment we've got uh, it's just come out of autumn. Uh, we're going into winter, and, and down in the south we're actually warmer than the North Island. Um, but usually it is the the, hard, the the further north you go, the warmer you get. So the the Bay of Islands, which is at the top of the North Island, uh, is kind of it's kind of tropical up there. Uh, lovely white sand beaches, uh, but at the same time we have that at the top of the South Island as well. We have the uh, Abel Tasman uh, National Park, which again is beautiful white sand beaches, and it's very tropical up there as well. So it's it's extremely different. I think the main thing is if you come to New Zealand, every turn you take is completely different, and it just gets better and better. So uh, and. I say that, but as soon as people come back from our, our tours or come back from renting on the motorbikes, they say, okay, you weren't joking. It does get better every time. So I was like, yep, we, yep we've done it before. We know what we're talking about. Always nice to be able to undersell a bit, isn't it? So you're not, you're not having them go out and go, well, it was okay. So. Do that on our tours as well. We The first stop we take is from Christchurch to uh, Lake Tekapo or Mount Cook. So it takes our tour through the inland scenic route. Um and we end up at beautiful Mount Cook or Lake Tekapo, and it's a stunning uh, glacier blue, glacier blue lakes. Um, and and everyone's like, "Wow, it's a really, really, really fantastic ride." And then we'll say, "Oh, okay," <laughs> knowing full well that it's probably the least interesting ride, but it's still amazing. Oh, and wow. then continue down and round, um, and ending through Arthur's Pass on the last day. So it's yeah, they come back with massive grins on their face, bug-filled grins. <laughs> oh, so you have bugs. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, little sandflies. I think if you're smiling so much as well on a motorbike, you end up getting bugs in your teeth. <laughs> so you mentioned that you're just you're into winter now. Do you get people coming for tours in the wintertime? Oh, we do. All the crazy people. Um, yeah, we have a lot of people uh, traveling mainly up until – so our seasons will run from about November – Actually, but let's probably start of December through to the end of March uh, is probably peak seasons for us uh, because it's summer and those are the warmer weather. But we do get some people uh, hop on over on the shoulder seasons because it's it's much quieter. We still have the um, you know the beautiful bright sunny days um, like now at this time of year as well. At the moment, it's autumn or fall, um, and the trees are just bright orange, um, bright reds and yellows, uh, and it's stunning. It's a wonderful time of year to visit, even though it's a little bit colder, so it gets colder at nighttime. But we still have the clear sunny days you know, during the day, and uh, the only thing to watch out for in winter is probably the ice um, when it's shadowy, you know, in some of the, in some of the shadows, and, and that's probably the main thing. But we still do get people coming over and renting. So you get black ice there in in the the dark spots where the temperature dips in the nighttime and uh, and then it stays frozen because the sun doesn't get on it. Um, we we certainly run into that here, of course. But um, you you do tours. You also do um, like a self guided thing and then do rentals as well. With all these things that you do, is it all road based or do you do some off road or some dirt road or what else is in there? Uh, no, so we're all, all of our tours uh, and GPS tours are on road only. Uh, all of our bikes um, are very well maintained for that specific reason. Um, I think we we cater for um, a lot of smaller smaller groups, smaller private groups, and um, you know couples uh, that want to come over and actually ride a a bike that's very very well maintained. Uh, the latest model bikes, um, and if we, I think the main reason we haven't 
I said we, we don't allow our bikes off road for that specific reason, just so they're all in tip to top condition. Um, otherwise, I think if you start letting people go off road and you know through river crossings, there's there's the odd time that it may do something to the bike that we don't know about. Um, so we just we just err on the side of caution, I think. And um, you don't really need to go off road for an adventure in New Zealand as well. That's the main that's the main thing. You 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 can see everything from the main roads. You don't need to sort of you know go through a river um, to have an adventure. And we do have specific companies over here that cater for that market as well. And you need to make sure that you've got the right bike and the right gear if you're going off roading over here as well. Hey, I wanted to ask about the islands again, because we were talking about, you know, North and South Island. It's not very big, is it? I mean, coming from North America, for instance, it's not a very big landmass. No, we're quite tiny down here. And I think we, I think we pride ourselves on that. Don't tell the don't tell the rest of the New Zealanders that we're quite small because we think we're we think we're quite big. <laughs> no, I won't say anything. It's between us. It's world famous in New Zealand. Basically, I think a lot of New Zealand is very, very sheltered from the rest of the world, uh, which is great. It's the way we like it. And uh, no, yeah, we're, it's quite small. I think there's more. I think I heard somewhere that there was more people in central London in England, just in central London, than there is in New Zealand in its entirety. So um, we have less people down here on the South Island, more sheep than people <laughs> in New Zealand. Um, but yeah, most of the most of the population is in Auckland. So um, the riding is a bit different up there. You've got way more traffic and um, a lot more people up there. So, but yeah, it's still still quite tiny. Still quite tiny. How many sheep live on the? How many people live on the South Island? Oh goodness! I was going to say last time I counted all the sheep, it was quite a while ago. <laughs> um, I think we've got about four million. Don't quote me on that, but I think it's around four million the population. Um, sheep's got to be something like one hundred thirty million at the moment. <laughs> wow! So, what do you do with the sheep? Uh, we have well, a lot of obviously it's a lot of farming. New Zealand's famous for its lamb as well, um, but wool as well. So wool is quite a quite a big um, product here that we that we send overseas. Uh, merino wool as well is quite specific. Um, that's in the middle of the island, uh, and um, yeah, wool and um, lamb and some meat. We have a lot of um, agriculture here that we that we send overseas. So cattle as well, um, grass fed grass fed uh, beef and things like that. Very very popular. One of our sponsors is Pearly's Socks, and they use uh, merino wool, which obviously comes from you guys in their product. There you go. Yep, yep. We we were talking about the the tours, right? Sort sort of mentioned the tours that you did. I mean, you you mentioned guided tours, and then I said you you have got GPS tours. Can you just give a quick rundown on what you offer? Yeah, of course. So um, the difference the difference between uh, what we offer obviously rental only. Uh, is rent the bike and take it wherever you want. Uh, the GPS tours are a little bit different. We will provide uh, on our website, we have, uh, depending on how much time you have in New Zealand, we have different um, lengths of GPS tours. Say if you wanted an a eight-day eight day or 10 or 12, um, and we've got a twin island tour. So they're sort of like package tours, um, which give you a specific route to travel on our specific um roads, you know, back roads that we've picked that are fantastic for riding. And um, that includes accommodation, includes your bike. Uh, we've got different accommodation levels depending on your budget as well. And that takes you door to door. So all of the route is included on the GPS and it'll take you door to door and it'll pop up with uh, all the different uh, activities that we suggest. Uh, great coffee places to stop. So it's, it's all included in, in that, um, which is probably our most popular popular um, things that we we offer. The next step up is fully guided tours. So we have uh, 
two of those next year in 2020. We've got a 16-day Southern Alps Spectacular Tour at the moment, which is in January. And that's for uh, 16 days around the South Island. And uh, it includes accommodation, includes activities. Um, We have a support vehicle with a trailer that will follow you so everyone can um, bring as much luggage as they like, which is fantastic. Um, And it's all included and it's fully guided. We've got two guides on the tour um, and we just, we take you around and we do all the specific things. Uh, The next fully guided tour we have is also... um, uh, it's, called, it's our 12-day Burt Munro Challenge Tour in 2020, which is the – it's in February. Um, and that includes – I'm not sure if you're uh, aware of or your listeners are aware of the Burt Munro Challenge. No, um, we, it's certainly Burt Munro. There you go. Yep. Well, um, John Munro uh, is a good friend of mine um, and the company's. It's his son. That's Bert's son. Um, and he and I have been putting together uh, a tour, a fully guided tour for February, which includes the challenge. Uh, so all of the events, um, uh, an evening with John. So to chat, he's got some fantastic stories about his dad that uh, that I feel I, I was telling him the other day he needs to tell our group about them because it's just fantastic. There's some wonderful stories he has. Um, we're going to stop off at some exclusive uh, family locations as well of John's. Um, and uh, I think he's going to do a, a signed book for all of our all of our writers that come along as well. Um, so there's quite a lot of quite a lot of special um, inclusions in that one. That sounds very cool. Now, if someone is interested in booking, what what do they do? Right. So, depending on um, what they want to do, um, first of all, I'd suggest head to the head to the website and uh, decide which which you want. Do you want a rental only or GPS tour, or join us on one of our uh, legendary fully guided tours, which are always great fun. Um, and if they wanted to book, so go on there, um, email me is probably the best thing to do as well. Uh, there are. There are contact forms online, so you can either flick me something through the website on there or give me a ring or um, send me an email. So it's motorbiketours.co.nz is us, uh, South Pacific Motorcycle Tours. So yeah, you just uh, decide what you want, send me an email, um, and I'll send you a quote and we book it there and then. It's nice and easy. Now, you, you mentioned that uh, December to March was sort of, uh, I think that's what you said, was, was sort of the, the main tourist season. Is that the season you would tell people to come in? It is. Um, I would probably advise January and February is more of our, it's our, those are our peak, see, that's our peak season. Those are our peak months. So we are almost quite booked at the moment. People get in very, very early. So February and March, we've only got a few bikes left already um, because people get in and book like a year, year, year to an advance um, just to get in there quite quick. But yeah, I would suggest, mind you, even December is, December is a wonderful time to come. And so is March and April because of less traffic. Um, you know, the holiday season's over, uh, every, all this, uh, the kids have gone back to school. So there is less traffic on the road and it's just a lot quieter. Um, but yeah, it depends. We've got, it gets lovely and warm in the summer. So yeah, yeah, probably March is probably the best time to come. And that was Kim Johnston from South Pacific Motorcycle Tours in Christchurch, New Zealand. Their website is motorbiketours.co.nz or NZ. And as usual, we'll have that link in our show notes. Now we're going to take a short break to thank two sponsors that helped bring this episode to you today. And when we come back, Zoe Cano is going to tell us about her ride in New Zealand. Stay with us. (laughs) 
Well, we're closing in on Overland Expo East. And if you haven't got your tickets yet already, now is the time. Uh, Overland Expo has developed a huge reputation for the events they put on uh, at Overland Expo West and Overland Expo East. West is done for 2019. East is coming up soon. And I'm going to tell you where and when in just a minute. But first, let me remind you that you need to get your tickets for this in advance online. People come from all around the world to attend and be part of Overland Expo. So it's important to get your tickets booked as early as possible. Uh, This is a huge event where you can camp for the weekend. There's demos, presentations, roundtables, slideshows, evening films. Um, they have a, a large exhibitor, exhibitor area. They also have a moto party where um, you, you buy a ticket to this thing. And it's one of the nights uh, during the event where they give away thousands of dollars in prizes uh, for motorcyclists. So there's a lot of things here uh, to get into travel, to learn things from people who have already done it. Um, have a look at what they've got on their website. Now, Overland Expo East is happening at Infinity Downs in Arrington, Virginia, USA, of course, on October 11 to 13, 2019. The website, overlandexpo.com. You just click on East. Make sure you tell them anytime you're dealing with them. Just mention there, every time you deal with them, actually, <laughs> mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. It's October 11 to 13, Arrington, Virginia, overlandexpo.com. Let's face it, when the motorcycle manufacturer made your motorcycle, they didn't make it for you. Surprised? They didn't. They made it for some average rider from some average place with an average agenda for riding because that's what they have to do. They got to make a bike that suits the masses. And changing some of those factory parts out to fit you is like a custom fitted suit compared to one off the rack. You can imagine the difference between the two. One looks like it's off the rack and the other one looks like a million bucks. Well, in this case, we're talking about function. We're talking about control and your foot pegs are screaming to be upgraded. And IMS products has you covered. IMS products has a full line of adventure motorcycle pegs to suit your style of riding from large to small, from sharp to dull teeth on them. They're made in the USA. They're warranted for life. They're the pegs that I ride with now. IMSproducts.com. And make sure you tell them anytime you talk to them, email them, whatever, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. IMSproducts.com. Zoe Cano lives in the UK. She's a motorcycle traveler and author that's now written four adventure travel books, including her latest one about her motorcycle trip in New Zealand called Trouble in Paradise. I'm Zoe Cano. I live in London and I am a travel writer. So what are you, what are you doing now? Like, are you, you're you're an adventurer and you're an author and I guess a self promoter. What what is the life? The life people think is ideal, and I think that if you kind of strip the uh, materialistic possessions and you can live fairly frugally, then yes, it is. Um, the first couple of years when I handed in my job, I was literally living off a lodger who was staying with me in the flat. And uh, the few books that I was selling, uh, I got back to the basics of eating uh, what we call here in Britain, beans on toast, cup of Charlie, cup of tea. And, um, yeah, I just made ends meet. Um, And I'm not saying things have got any better on revenue, but I've uh, sort of got more well-known. People know me more. They've read the first book. And obviously what they want to now start hearing what other adventures I've done, um, which has been actually now a total of uh, four books. 
what is adventure for you now when, when you go out? Because it's sort of professional in a way. You're, you're doing this, um, I guess, for a living, obviously. You know, you're doing uh, adventures and you're writing about them. How does that change your adventures? Um, I try and keep very, very, I would say, under the radar. For me, adventure has changed dramatically over the years. Um, I think you've probably seen recently the enormous queues going up Mount Everest. Um, and for me, you know, that is something which I'm not very interested in. I kind of want to keep to myself on my own, go out, see things which possibly are a little bit under the radar. And I've sort of recently said to people at other festivals I've been to, you can travel two miles down the road and get a story. You just said um, there a minute ago, life is short. What do you mean by that? You're realizing life is short. Life is incredibly short. Um, to give you a couple of examples, I back in the 90s when I was living in America, um, I had encephalitis of the brain, um, which meant that the short-term memory bit went uh, fairly haywire. Um, and ever since then, I'm with friends I've known who've passed away at early ages. Um, I just realized that we only have one opportunity on this beautiful planet and however way we live it, we mustn't regret it. Mm, yeah. You just um, you just finished doing a book called Hellbent for Paradise. Uh, that's about a trip that you did to New Zealand. You, you, you went on this trip because your friend had mentioned about backpacking there? That's right. Uh, New Zealand was the place that my friend had gone to. But again, this is back in about 10 or 12 years ago. And she was she was over the moon about it. She said it was the most incredible place. And that really, if there was one journey I should do in my life, um, that's to get down to New Zealand. And you just go and book flights on that? That, that was your, your planning? Uh, no, I did do a bit of planning. I actually was uh, very lucky in that I did a, I got some local advice, first of all. Um, I had some fun uh, conversations with the guy who would ultimately become what I called him the ghost rider, uh, a guy called Sean, uh, who worked out of New Zealand for the Bike Rider magazine. And he gave me some really good tips about things to do, possibly things to sort of look for on the route. But there were a few things which uh, both him and I, and I think the rest of the world, didn't anticipate when I actually got there. What was that? Well, it was in the news worldwide. Uh, the day I flew into uh, Christchurch, the first of a series of post-cyclones cyclone, which were wrecking havoc across the country, Cyclone Fahey was just coming in. And um, this was the first time I'd flown into Christchurch, and this was the first time that cyclones, post-cyclones from the Pacific, were starting to get that far south through the country. Mm. So, so is, this, is this cyclone uh, time of year for, for New Zealand? Well, it's like everything with, you know, with, with what is going on in the world, is that the, the, the seasons are changing slightly. I had been warned and people had told me that going to New Zealand, I first of all needed to take clothes for all weathers. You could have summer one day and then you could have, you know, massive rainstorms the next. But no one had really mentioned about these freak um, havoc creating cyclones, post cyclones, which were starting to come down through New Zealand um, and were 
creating havoc um, where later on in the trip, I was out there for 10 weeks, later on in the trip, um, I had to actually completely revise the journey um, because of the fact that roads had been destroyed and literally roads had been closed throughout the southern part of the island. So what is New Zealand like? Just describe that. New Zealand for a lot of people is the epitome of an unspoiled part of the world where there are, because it is actually a very small place, um, it's only about 990 miles long, um, but it does have about 9,000 miles of coastline. Um, New Zealand itself is split into, as we know, two islands, the North Island, which fares a lot better for warmer weather. There's almost a sort of a desert-like landscape at the very top of the island. And then the Southern Island, which I think a lot of people would probably go to more to see the fjordlands at the very, very bottom, where you see these incredible forests and these uh, fjords, which are literally uh, covered in terrain that hasn't been walked on for millions of years. And it's very, very difficult to access. They are becoming more and more open. Um, but these were sort of highlights that I was wanting to try and uh, discover. So what was your plan? You didn't take a bike, you went and rented one. Yeah, the the good thing about it was I had also just recently sold the Bonneville. So there's a very interesting, for people looking or have been to New Zealand, there's a very interesting outfit in Christchurch, just outside Christchurch, called South Pacific Motorcycle Tours. Um, great people, really friendly. I was looking basically again to hire a Bonneville and they supplied me with a Triumph Bonneville 900, which later in the journey I would realize in possibly my naivety or my stupidity that it was the wrong bike. So what was your route that you were, you were planning to do? So the route I was trying to do was I flew into Christchurch, which is uh, in the South Island. I was going to travel up as quickly as possible through the port of Picton, up on the north side of the island, take a ferry all the way to the capital, to Wellington, which was going to take a couple of hours. And then I was going to just travel um, around the edges of the North Island up to the very, very tip, uh, which for me personally was possibly one of the highlights of the journey um, down through Cape Reinga, which is on the very, very tip of the northern part of the island, which is famous for the Maori's um, place of rest. It's a very spiritual place. Uh, a lot of people go up there to pray, and it's a very, very important place and region for the Maori's. And um, I was then going to be coming back through Auckland, which is, again, the largest city in New Zealand, back through to the tip and back through to the South Island for another month, and to see these incredible, extreme uh, landscaped places like the Franz Joseph Glaciers, um, the places down, as I said, in Fjordland, which were reminiscent very, very much of Scandinavia. And the last thing was I was going to be going to the Burt Monroe Challenge races, which, as you probably heard, was, uh, I think, well known from uh, Anthony Hopkins' film, the world's fastest Indian. Great film. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned there another month. How, how long was the trip? Uh, the whole trip was eight, uh, well, 
about nine, uh, nine weeks. Nine weeks. And you rent a bike for the nine weeks. That's worthwhile? Um, I got a bit of a deal, but um, for me personally, yes, it was. It meant I didn't have to worry myself too much about if anything went wrong with it. And also, I did have the backup and the support if I needed it. So you're, you're there in cyclone season, as you mentioned. What, like, Did this just turn out to be a, a total disaster trip <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's, of the cyclone it, season? Or, or, or where, well, where? so I arrived in Christchurch, and the first thing that happened was the guys who were giving me the bike totally bluntly refused to give me the bike. They said to me in a very sort of uh, friendly way, they said, I, I don't know if it was for their insurance purposes or what, but they just basically said, we can't give you the bike this morning. The weather is too bad. The wind is too high. I had to then ride about another 30 miles back to Christchurch to obviously pack the bike, get it ready to leave. And they said to me in a, in a great way, they just said, listen, we're going to check the weather forecast um, to see how it is a little bit later on in the day. And if it is sort of okay-ish, uh, we will come and uh, deliver the bike to you. And uh, I kept my fingers crossed all day, and thankfully, they delivered the bike that evening. What's the riding like? Well, what are all these roads like? Are they all asphalt or all dirt? Or most? Well, again, they're actually. I was in, I was sort of interested to see that there's a lot of asphalt. Um, there's also a lot of dirt roads if you want to go onto them. But what I was seeing more and more is that the whole country is changing dramatically, like everywhere in the world. There's more and more um, road stops. There's more and more places being built up for uh, wider highways. A lot more what we call here in the UK roundabouts, you know, so people can get, you know, from one direction to the other. And I was seeing dramatic changes even there during those, you know, nine weeks. You obviously got away okay on the bike. Um, you mentioned a second cyclone. Yep. Um, and that hit me. That was about a month into the trip. Um, there's a very interesting place or a very interesting road system up on the west side of New Zealand. For a lot of people, they know it as the Forgotten World Highway. And it's a place which you literally feel you're going back in time. But it's also a very difficult place to get to. And that morning, I had literally just the cyclone had just come over in a place called Raglan where I was leaving. And when I got to this Forgotten World Highway, the cyclone had literally just gone over. But the problem was that the conditions were dirt. And when I say dirt, they, for about 12 miles, the dirt road, which I probably could have ridden okay with the bike, had literally turned to a mud bath. And I literally had to paddle it for about 12 miles. And I have an interesting story where it was literally every man for themselves, although there was no other men going past me. I was the only girl. But there were three cars that approached and tried to get past me. And the one to give you the idea as to how difficult this road was to actually even ride or drive, one of the cars tipped upside down because the mud was so slippery that they they literally slipped into one of the water table drainage systems on the side of the road 
Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty scary, and it was again a lot of damage was created during those two months that I was in New Zealand, but it was just the extent of this mud, which was literally so deep it was getting up to my ankles, and it was very scary. You um you ended up running into more hurdles though as well and and you I guess you found really that the T one hundred probably it wasn't the right choice for you. No, it wasn't, and I and the thing is it, but it's it's also it makes a story, you know, it makes things interesting. Um, fortunately, that was probably one of the last pieces of uh, dirt road that I had to tackle, and for the rest of it, it was it was great. You know, the bike went really well. The um, roads, particularly when I started to ride down through the South Island, are beautiful. It got a lot quieter. Uh, as everybody says, is the further south you get, the quieter it gets, obviously away from, from Auckland. And, um, yeah, the bike went really well. Talk about the, the Burt Monroe event. Yeah, absolutely. So I took the ferry back uh, from Wellington to Picton. And as soon as I started to get to the port, for the first time ever, I saw literally hundreds of bikes. And I looked at the registration plates and saw that they were all locals, all local North Island New Zealanders. And they were heading in the same direction as me. We had three days to get down to the very tip of the uh, Southern Island and um, make our way to this famous Burt Monroe race weekend. Um, so the Burt Monroe Challenge weekend um, takes place over a period of four days. They used to run it uh, back in November, but this year they've actually moved it through to February for the very first time. And it's in a little tiny place called Invercargill. And Invercargill is where Burt Monroe, the famous uh, guy who originally went all the way to the Bonneville Salt Flats in 1967, to break the uh, world record for the fastest Indian motorcycle. That's where he originated from. And uh, this whole weekend is really to um, to sort of thank him for having sort of created um, just an incredible dream for so many people to also go out and race in different ways. So what do they do there? Are they racing on the beach like he used to do? Yeah. They've got uh, four days of different races. So they do track racing, they do road racing, and then they do this famous beach racing where there is, there's probably about a couple of hundred bikers that will be doing the races, different races during the day. But it's fascinating because the beach just stretches out for miles and miles and all the spectators are seated, seated on these sand dunes looking out to the sea and um, it's just one of those times in your life. You look and you think, this really is an authentic place. It really is something which is very, very different. It is literally, on, for me, the other side of the world, at the very, very tip of the southern part of New Zealand. And there's a, a museum there as well for Bert Moreau. Did you go to that? I did indeed. And in fact, there are a couple of museums. But the funniest ah. one, the funniest one is the famous hardware store in the center of Invercargill. And the owners of the hardware store were friends of Bert. And when Bert passed away, uh, he gave them his uh, famous bike, his famous uh, Indian, and a lot of other paraphernalia. And you literally get these bikers and tourists 
going through this hardware store between the lawn mowers and the paint brushes and everything else and then all of a sudden seeing bikes and uh, his paraphernalia in between these uh, hardware things <laughs> that's pretty neat and is it is it, it set up so you can touch the stuff or is it in cases oh yeah oh, it, really? well, a lot of it obviously obviously the bikes are in cases and his uh, everything you've got his tools you've got his spanners you've got all the th- his cups and trophies but it's a very very strange thing to sort of walk through an aisle of uh, paint pots and all of a sudden seeing uh, a bike that's broken a land speed record on the Bonneville Salt Flats. So now that you've, you've done the trip, you, you've written a book about it, what's your take on it? What did you learn from New Zealand? Right. I will be very, very honest with you. I think that the diversity of New Zealand is incredible. And I am only giving a take. It's only me as an individual the people I encountered were wonderful. The landscapes are incredible. But the thing which saddened me the most was the fact that with time, everything on this planet is changing. And those people who spoke to me about New Zealand who'd been there 10 years ago probably visited it at the best time. I was disappointed to see so much traffic. Um, what is happening is that there are a lot of coach loads during the peak tourist season between November and March. This tourist season is now extending like everywhere in the world. And there were places that I went to, which you would think was out in the middle of nowhere. And there was dangerous um, caravan drivers. There were trucks, lorries. And it was a lot busier than I had expected. So for a lot of bikers, you really, you really need to be careful, particularly around some of these sort of very, very sort of mountainous roads, because they won't keep to inside their middle lane, uh, middle line. You know, you will sometimes encounter these vans coming towards you from the other side. More and more people in the world. I mean, really, you know, if there's any message, I guess you, you'd want to tell people that um, get out now, get out and, and explore now, because you're saying that 10 years ago was the best. I mean, imagine the change. I mean, you can't really imagine, but you can sort of have an idea of what the changes are going to be like in coming years. Time to get out there now and explore something if you want to explore it, because um, the population only increases and there's nothing we can do about that. Absolutely. And I think we're in a situation now where, the world is changing so quickly. I feel possibly in a very optimistic way that I traveled the world at a very, very good time, you know, in the 80s, the 90s. Um, there are still millions of places on this world, and don't get me wrong, that you can travel and not see anybody else. And, you know, some people like to be surrounded by lots and lots of other people, like up on Everest. But the world is changing, and I personally feel that possibly my next... Um, little mini adventures will be closer to home. Were you camping on this trip? I wasn't. I did think about bringing a tent, but I actually decided to try and stay again, a little bit like the first trip across America through eclectic, eccentric, different places. So I was staying in uh, a lot of people, Airbnb's very good. And there's a lot of places in New Zealand where there literally are no hotels anyway. So living with the locals was great. I got to know a lot of sort of local um, things, ways of life, staying with these people. And um, some of the sort of the, the larger or the smaller sort of uh, places, I stayed in 
hostels uh, and little B&Bs. And it was great. Really, really good. I guess that's one real advantage of staying with other people at places like you're saying hostels or B&Bs is that you're you're connecting with people because it'd be very easy traveling alone to be isolated and isolate yourself more as you're looking for a hidden camping spot and get yourself out of sight. Yeah, I, I totally agree. For, for me, conversation and communication is essential, mm. and particularly with local people. And I would make an effort going into the villages or the little towns because they were dispersed. There were great distances between them. You know, I'd go into the local coffee shop. I'd sit on a stool next on the counter and I'd start speaking to the locals, you know, and sort of say, well, what's going on around here? Any news? And, you know, and that was a great way to find out and to get under the skin of the place. Um along the way and while, you know, while I was traveling and I did hear some interesting and uh, heard some very interesting stories along the way. There, there was one story about um, you were warned about wind on a road and you ended up getting stuck on a hill. Oh, uh, yes. What's well, the name of that road? Glenorchy Road, is that it? Uh, yes, that was on the South Island. So Glenorchy is, I think, north of Queenstown and Queenstown is the hub of adventure um, travel. People go there skydiving. They do all the extreme sports down there. Quite a touristy place. Uh, But Glenorchy is a a much more remote place and very, very close to this place I wanted to finally get to, which was a little tiny, tiny place called Paradise. The road going up to Glenorchy was fairly calm when I got to Queenstown. But as soon as I rode along that lake, the winds were just incredibly coming up through that lake. And I think a lot of people, when you ride on a bike, ask you, would you prefer wind or would you prefer rain? And 10 out of 10, you've got to prefer the rain, surely, because the winds there were, with the weight of that bike, with the weight of the luggage, I got to a stage coming up to the top of this hill where I literally could not move that bloody bike. I mean, it was it was the scariest thing besides the uh, Forgotten Highway. You mean you didn't I have having, enough power to go forward? I just could not get forward. Because it's and, trying to blow you over all the time. Yeah, exactly. And, I'm tr- I, and I actually write it in some graphic detail in the book. Um, I was literally at a standstill. And I was crying with desperation. And only about, probably about 100 feet away were these Chinese people in this camper van who I thought if I could even just get to it, walk it over and just protect myself from this wind. Because we were on a high cliff top. The wind was blowing across this ocean-sized lake. And the wind was so strong that it was stopping the bike I mean, I have never experienced anything like that in my life. And there does actually come part of this story is a little bit comical because I finally, finally walk the bike up to these Chinese people and I literally plead to them to ask them, and only one of them speaks English, to ask them if they would kindly help me um, just stabilize the bike and walk it down the hill into some sort of better, more protected place. I mean, I was literally in a situation where I could not do anything without somebody else's help. Well, that's just a taste of the adventure you're going to find in Zoe's new book called Hellbent 
for Paradise. You can find it in bookstores. You can find out more about Zoe by visiting her website. Her website is zoecano.com. I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com. Also, Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear at greenchiliadv.com. And Moto Breeze Chain Oilers at motobreeze.com. Hey, you do us a great favor. If anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime you see them anywhere, you mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. up another episode of adventure rider radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it now it's time to to get on your bike and of course ride to new zealand if you can hey remember we've got a whole website here full of information more shows that you can listen to we've got our other show raw that you have to subscribe to separately that comes out once a month and we're just about to bring out another episode of that right now um, that's roundtable talks about motorcycle travel. So drop by our website and check out what's going on there. Adventureriderradio.com is the website. And also, we would love to have your support. Um, we've built this on a model of some advertising and listener support to make the whole thing work. So um, if you'd like to help out, we'd love it. You could spread the word and you could also drop by and click on the support button. My name is Jim Martin. See you next week. This is Janelle Kaz, a.k.a. Moto Gypsy, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 